But today, we want, to, we want to jump in. Today's message, if you're writing it down, is called, My Words Are Weapons. My Words Are Weapons. And, and, and the, 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 really, the goal today, and I'll get to a couple of key verses that will kind of set that up. But I need you to understand something. The, the whole time we've been talking about um, how we talk to other people and how we have to be careful how we talk to other people and all that kind of stuff. But today, um, today we're going to really be focusing on uh, some of the words that we're saying and the power of those words into our situation, into our circumstances, and into our own lives. As a matter of fact, whenever you hear some of the verses that I share today, um, I feel like we should probably have done the service in reverse. Like you're going to hear these verses and you're like, we just sang those verses. I think they would be more impactful if I would have preached first and we done worship afterwards. I think we may need to try that next time. Maybe Jonathan and I need to get on the same page and I need to tell him what I'm preaching before him. Um, it might would work out better that way. But today we want to get started. Uh, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 23. Now, I'm going to read this first verse out of the New King James Version. Um, This is a very odd verse. Uh, It's translated a variety of different ways. And so whenever I read it today, I'm going to read out of New King James because of the way it's translated. It makes a little bit more sense to me. But verse 7, and we're just going to read the first part. It says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Uh, another version, King James says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And, and here's the idea that I want to establish right from the beginning today is the way we, I know some of you guys are looking in your Bibles. I'm seeing all these confused looks. What does it say up there? All right. It's, what in the world? For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That is what it says. I said, we're just going to read the first part. Just the first part. Don't worry about the eat and drink. It's a whole thing about a miser. And, and if I say miser, you're going to be thinking the heat miser from the old school Santa Claus movies. And that's not what it is. Just focus on the first part. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. The idea is this. The way we view ourselves, the way we think, is oftentimes the way we act and the way we live. The way we think, what's in our hearts uh, the Bible says this, guard your heart for it's a wellspring of life. It says guard your heart from, for from it flows everything that we do. Um, the way we think about ourselves is typically how we're going to act. Now, we said earlier that the way, we, uh, the way we think in our hearts is the words that are going to come out of our mouth. Jesus said that. But I want to also say that sometimes the words that we speak and the words that we hear will dictate the way we live our life. All you got to do is, is, is listen to people talk sometimes and, and, and they'll talk about what a failure they are. They'll talk about how dumb they are. They'll talk about um, how bad they are. And then they're going to live their life according to that level, that standard that they've set for themselves. So it's important to understand today that right from the beginning, the way we view ourselves sometimes is the way we're going to live our life. In Numbers chapter 13, in Numbers chapter 13, Uh, it's telling the story. We're going to get to one little verse in in Numbers 13, verse 33. But it's telling the story of how Israel has come out of Egypt. God has promised them. They've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And God has promised them they're going to get to live in this new land uh, that's flowing with milk and honey. And he says, I've got this great land for you. I've got a great spot for you. I'm going to take you there. And before they get there, they decide to send out spies into the land just to check things out. The spies go into the land, and when the spies go into the land, uh, they, they come back with a bad report. 
As a matter of fact, here's what they say when they come back. Verse 33, we even saw giants there. They're talking about how terrible the land is. The land that God promised them, they're talking about how terrible it is. And they said, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Enoch. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Now think about that for a second. They don't know what these guys thought. But they, they have put themselves in a position of a grasshopper. And they said, because we feel like grasshoppers, everybody thinks we're grasshoppers. That's what we are. They immediately have a negative view of a place God's calling them to, right? They've got this negative mindset, this negative view. And the thing is, they see themselves as small and insignificant. And therefore, that's what they were to everyone around them, was small and insignificant. So today I want to talk about some of this stuff because there's some different mindsets that need to change. For some of us, we need to change the way we think. We need to change what's in our heart. And, and we'll get into the weapons on how to do that in just a second. I want to give you a quick illustration. I had a dog one time named Bo, and, and Bo has since passed on to the great beyond. And, um, uh, and, and, but when he was alive, when he was alive, he wasn't a big dog. Bo was probably at his heaviest, about 60 pounds. And, um, but whenever he was a little bit smaller than that, probably about 40 pounds, I took Bo to the gym one day. When I took Bo to the gym with me, I had him outside and, and Melissa had brought her dog Triton and Triton's not a dog. We call him a dog, but he's not a dog. He's a horse. He's a small horse and in a dog's body. And he's some kind of mastiff and he's huge and he's a monster dog and he's over a hundred pounds. But when little Bo saw Triton in Bo's mind, he thought, I'm as big as that dog right there, and I'm going to prove it. And Bo jumped on Triton and was trying to show his dominance to Triton. And, and in Bo's little mind, he just thought, I'm just as big as that big guy right there. And that's the mindset some of us need to have. Like, like we see ourselves, and you see a little chihuahua. The little chihuahuas aren't really dogs. Anybody have a chihuahua in here? No chihuahuas in here? Good, good. One, one chihuahua in here. Well, here's the thing. If her dog is a horse, the chihuahua is really just a rat pretending like it's a dog, right? The chihuahua's a little, and they're mean little devils, and they're full of Satan. And, and the thing about a chihuahua is a chihuahua knows he's small, so he yaps a lot to make you think he's big, but he knows he's little. He knows at the end of the day he can't do anything. But my beau, he thought he was something. And you know what? Some of us go through life, and we go through some hard times. And in our church right now, we're experiencing some hard times um, I, I'm, tomorrow morning, I will go to my third funeral in, in about five days of loved ones here in the church. We, we're, we're going through, we've had some difficult moments. And, and, and here's the thing. If our, if our mind is off, if we're only viewing ourselves like the little chihuahua, it's going to be hard to get through those hard times. We got to view ourselves kind of like Bo did. Bo looked at that dog and said, I'm just as big as you are. Here's the cool thing about Triton. Triton could have very easily killed Bo. Bo's just trying to assert his dominance, and he's all up on top of Triton. And you know what Triton did? Triton was like, whatever, man. Do what you got to do. I'm just going to stand here. Like, Triton's too busy getting in the bushes and scratching his back, and he's got a bone he's chewing on, and he could care less what Bo was doing. And sometimes we need to have the attitude of Triton to know that, hey, 
There's somebody greater in me than he that is in the world. And I don't care what you do to me. I don't care what you say to me. I I don't care what you bring at me. It don't matter because I don't really care. I know I'm big enough not to worry about it. So we need to have those two attitudes. And here's the thing. Some of those attitudes are going to come out in our words. In our words. Our words are weapons against things like depression, against discouragement. Our words are weapons against anxiety and against fear. Our words are weapons against, against doubt. And we heard a lot of that today in, in, the, in the worship. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We have some powerful words, folks. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The enemy is going to come against you with your thoughts. He is going to attack your mind. He is going to attack your heart. He is going to attack your will and your emotions. That is the realm that he wants to attack you. Because he knows if he can get you depressed and discouraged and down and out and and, and moping around, then he can get you defeated. And the Bible says that we're, we're waging a war. There's a battle going on. But it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. There is a spiritual battle that's happening. And our words are the weapons that we use in that spiritual battle. Now, in a couple nights, Cowboy is going to bring a message and he's going to give you the words to use. Okay? So, in, in, in our family, in our family, dad doesn't like having to buy bullets for hunting. He just doesn't understand the concept of paying for someone else to make a bullet when he can make it himself. So, the man loads all of his own rounds. Like, Every hunting rifle that we have, if you eject a shell, they all have stuff written on them. How many grains of powder is in each bullet? Because he loads all his own stuff and writes little notes on the shells themselves. And so the other day I was at the gym and I had been hunting and, uh, and I opened up my locker at the gym and there is a Ziploc baggie full of uh, 308 shells sitting in my, in my locker all loaded hot, right? Loaded hot means it's got more powder in it than what the manufacturer normally does. And you, you do that wrong, you blow your gun up. So he's, now that I think about it, it's kind of dangerous to be shooting your rounds like that. But, but anyways, he's going to provide you on Wednesday nights with the bullets that you need to, to wage this battle, right? Um, so today to get into the message, I've got three things I need to talk to you about today and then we'll be done. We'll have prayer at the end. Um, but I want to use the story of David. How many of you have ever heard of David in the Bible? Lots of you have. Some of you haven't. Someone give me one thing about David. What's some, one thing you know about David? He killed a giant. Everybody who knows that story, he killed a giant. David killed a giant. Any other random fact about David? Does anybody know his occupation by any chance? What? He was what? The king. He was the king. So David killed a giant and he was crowned king of Israel. And while those are two very important mountaintops in the life of David, there's a very significant valley between the two of those. 
While those are two big aspects that everybody knows, even people that aren't Christians know about David and Goliath, right? The giant. While everybody knows he was a king, they know he killed a giant. There is a significantly low and dangerous valley that David lived in between those two points. And so today I just want to give you a snippet from that valley. See, what happened was David kills this giant. He's anointed king, but there was already a king on the throne. Saul was still king. But God had rejected Saul because Saul was a sinner and he wouldn't take ownership of his sin. He wouldn't repent of his sin. And and so God said, I got to find somebody that's going to serve me to be king. And so God finds David, but he, he didn't kill Saul. Saul's still alive. And so now David's anointed king, everybody knows it, and David kills a giant, everybody thinks David's amazing, and so everybody's talking about David, and Saul gets jealous, and so Saul tries to murder David, and sends David on the run for his life. David's living in caves and hiding in ditches, and for years, David lives on the run from Saul, and Saul's pursuing him and pursuing him, and and so David's friends are after him. David's, uh, you know, the people that he grew up around are now after him trying to kill him. So David's life is not going quite the way he thought it would go when he had that really cool experience of killing a giant and being anointed um, as the future king. And he's just like, he, he's stuck. He's stuck. And so there's a place in the Bible, and we'll kind of, we'll, we might backtrack to it later in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 27, where the Bible says that David decided to go to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines were the enemies of Israel. Goliath, the giant, was a Philistine. Not only did David kill Goliath, but then he led Israel's armies to kill and wipe out a ton of the Philistine armies. Later on in his life, David would go in and raid the Philistines and just just massacre them and just have these big victories over them. But now he's at a place in life where he's turning away from Israel and he's turning toward the enemy. And now he's living with the enemy and he's acting like the enemy and his life is a little bit different than it used to be. In the process of this whole thing, David gets rejected even by the enemy. You know your life is going to be tough when your family rejects you, when your friends reject you, when your country rejects you, when your government rejects you. So you go to the enemy and then the enemy rejects you too, right? Some of you guys may be living in that place right now. You just feel rejected. You feel rejected. And, and, and life is not going the way David thought it was going to go. And so David's been gone and he's been with the enemy and, and he's got this town that he's had set up and all of his, his, his wives live there, his kids live there, all of his little army he had a band of guys with him, about 600 men and, and all of their families lived there. And so anytime they would make a raid and they would get plunder, they brought it back to this little town called Ziklag. And so Ziklag was where they hung out. That was their home base. Well, while David's off with the enemy, guess what happens? Another enemy shows up. And when the other enemy shows up, they took over the town of Ziklag and they burned it to the ground. So the Bible picks this story up in 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to read a little bit. It says in verse 1, three days later, 
When David and his, his men arrived home to their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag, and they had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. Have you ever been in a place where you've wept until you could weep no more? You're so discouraged, you're so beat up, you feel so lost that you weep until you got no more tears to cry. I remember, I remember a time in my life when, when um, Perry and I had been rejected. We, we were in our hometown and we were at our home church and, and then all of a sudden a new person takes over the church and, and as is typical in, in, in churches, usually if a new pastor takes over, the whole staff leaves. And, but, but the way my leave taking took place was just not good. It was not fun. And we felt very rejected and very hurt in that situation. And I remember there being nights of us going in, in um, we, we had a, a two bedroom, single wide trailer uh, that, that was our first home uh, with pink carpet. And, and I remember uh, walking all the way across the trailer. Um, it took me about five steps to get there. And, and I would go into the guest bedroom and I would lay on the floor and I would pray and I would cry. And Perry would show up and she would lay on the floor next to me and she would pray and she would cry. And we just felt so rejected and so hurt. Verse 6, we'll skip verse 5. Verse 6 says this. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it and David said to the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord said to him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. I want to give you a couple of thoughts today that the Bible says that happened to David in this story. And then we'll be done. But I want to give you a couple of thoughts. There's really three conversations you need to be having. There's three conversations you need to be having and I need to be having. And and these three conversations are going to be weapons against our depression, weapons against our rejection, weapons against our sin, weapons against our temptation, weapons against our doubt and discouragement. These three conversations are important conversations that we need to be having maybe on a daily basis. And so I want to look at the first conversation we need to have. Number one, we need to talk or I need to talk to myself. So if you're taking notes today, the first thing you need to write down is talk to myself. That's the first conversation you need to have. It says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David was now in great danger because all of his men were bitter about losing their sons and daughters. They begin to talk of stoning him. Everyone's ready to kill David. This isn't about firing him as boss, right? Like you think it's bad at your job when the people underneath you want to fire you. You think, students, it's bad because your parents think they're talking about grounding you. They wanted to ground David under the ground, like they wanted to kill him and bury him. But it says that David found strength in the Lord his God. The word found strength there, that term means to encourage himself. David had to find a time to encourage himself. 
Nobody else was encouraging him. There wasn't anybody else saying, David, it's going to be okay. There wasn't anybody else saying, David, you're going to do great. There wasn't anybody else talking up to David. It was David having to encourage himself. He had to talk to himself. And listen, there's times in our lives when you're waiting on someone else to encourage you and they ain't going to show up. There are times when you and I have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We've got to find that opportunity to talk to ourselves. The Bible says this in Psalm 62. This is going to be very repetitive. Just beware. Psalm 62 verses 5 and 6. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. Who is the author talking to right here? He's talking to himself. He says, for God, O my soul, you will wait. You're going to wait on God. Your, your hope is in him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Psalm 116.7 says this. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. David wrote a lot of the Psalms. And in a lot of the Psalms, he talks to himself. In a lot of the Psalms, he's encouraging himself over and over and over again. And notice that he talks to his soul, his mind, will, and emotions. He recognizes the fact that depression is there. He recognizes the fact that discouragement is there. He recognizes the fact that sin is there. But here's what he does. He begins to talk to himself. Have you ever seen someone talk to themselves before? That your wife does? That's my mother you're talking about. Just be careful. Some of us talk to ourselves every so often, right? Some of us talk to ourselves every so often. There's been times I talk to myself, it didn't always work out. There's times when I, I'm talking to myself and I'm just like, you can pick up that weight. You can do it, Gabriel, you can do it. And then my body says, you are weak, little man, you're weak, and you cannot pick up that weight. There's times when I talk to myself, it doesn't always work, but I try. But when it comes to my emotions, when it comes to my feelings, when it comes to my soul, when it comes to my mind and my will, my thoughts... There's times that you have to talk to yourself. There's times you have to pick yourself up off the floor. There's times you can't just lay there and cry. You got to get up and you got to do something about it. Look at this. Psalm 42 and 43. These two chapters kind of go together. And here's what they say. I'm going to read three verses out of these chapters. Listen to the repetitive nature. Verse 5 of 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise him, my salvation and my God. Verse 11, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him again, my salvation and my God. Verse 5 of 43, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The word cast down means to be in despair or depressed. David's looking at himself and he's saying, why are we so depressed? Why are we so discouraged? Why am I in despair? Put your hope in God. He's not saying get over it. He's not saying the problem doesn't exist. Look, at the end of the day, the, arm, the, the city was still burned to the ground. His positive talking wasn't making the buildings build back up. It wasn't bringing his wife and his family back. But it was getting him up off the ground. You can only weep for so long. You can only mourn for so long. At some point, we've got to get up out of the ashes. And we've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. 
Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5 says this. This is so good. This is where I think these songs that we sang this morning uh, would have been so much better if I would have preached first and sung the songs later. Man, we would have had a killer. We would have had a really good service. This one will be okay, but it would have been much better had we done it backwards. Listen to this. Listen to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives your iniquity and heals your diseases? Who's he talking to? He's still talking to himself. He's reminding himself that he serves a God that forgives every sin. He serves a God that heals every disease, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. I love this because there are times I just need to have a talk with myself. There are times when I'm down and I'm out and I need to have a talk with myself and I need to get myself up out of the ashes. I need to get myself out of the morning and I need to put myself in a place of victory. I need to put myself in a place of truth. This morning we were praying before service and, and, um, where is she? Nadia was praying. She, she was on the keys today. And, And so in Nadia's prayer, one of the things Nadia said, one of the things she said is she said, God, don't let us speak the negative. Instead, let us speak truth. Now, listen, there's a difference between the power of positive thinking, right? Anybody can think positive. It doesn't give you a good solution in the end, right? Because sometimes we lie to ourselves. I'm not talking about lying to yourself. I'm not talking about telling yourself everything's going to be okay. Because guess what? It may not always be okay. There's going to be times, we talked about David being on the mountaintops, but there's also a valley. There's going to be times things are not going to go well. But what you got to do is you can't just talk to yourself and say everything's going to be okay and you're wonderful and you're great. That's positive thinking. What Nadia talked about today was we've got to speak truth. Don't speak negative. Speak truth. What's the truth? The truth is, yeah, I may have sinned and I may have messed up, but the truth is I serve a God that forgives all of my sins. The truth is I serve a Savior that died on the cross to cover every sin that I've committed. The, the, the facts are, the facts are I may be sick, but I serve a God that heals. And Job said, but even if he doesn't heal me yet, I will serve him. Listen, there, there are truths and there's positive and they're not always the same. So what we're talking about today is not about speaking positive words over ourselves and positive affirmations. What we're talking about today is speaking the truth of God's word. And that's where I'm not going to keep going on this one. I'm going to move on to the next one because that's what Wednesday night's going to be about is learning those truths that we can speak over ourselves. The second conversation we got to have. So number one, we talk to ourselves. Number two, we got to talk to my God. I talk to myself. I talk to my God. First Samuel 30 verse seven says this. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it to him. And David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders while I catch them? The ephod was a, a, a priestly garment that, that, uh, that they would wear whenever they would step before God. When, when, they would, when they would go to meet with God, when they would go to pray, they would put on the ephod, the priest would. Now David calls for Abiathar and says, you bring me the ephod, we're about to pray. Like, you bring me the ephod, we're about to talk to Jesus. And, and so, so David is calling for a time of prayer between him and God, and now he's including Abiathar in there with him. 
The interesting thing about this is this whole time that we've been watching David's life, whenever he leaves Israel and goes to the Philistines, we don't hear one thing about David praying. You don't hear one thing about David seeking God. As a matter of fact, David was seeking his own path. David was doing his own thing. He had his own plans. But now all of a sudden he's in a place, he's in a low place and he has encouraged himself in the Lord. He has reminded himself of all the goodness of God. And in that reminder, he says, now we got to pray. I've talked to myself enough. Now I got to talk to somebody that's going to make a difference. Philippians 4, we use this verse a lot, this passage a lot. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, look at the key here, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your what? Your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If we need peace in our soul, we're going through a bad time. Our city's burned. We're feeling rejected. We're feeling depressed. We're feeling discouraged. We need to encourage ourselves remind ourselves of all that God can do and has done. But then the next thing is we need to talk to God about it. Paul says we go to him with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. We we just lay it all out. The the word uh, prayer there means an exchange between you and God. It can also mean in uh, in the Jewish culture, sometimes they would say prayer was a place. In other words, we need to find a place where we can pray. We need to find a time where we can pray. We need to carve out a spot where we can pray. I'm not talking about just, hey, God bless this food in Jesus' name, amen. I'm talking about we need to carve out a spot where we can find some time with the God of the universe. The word supplication there means heartfelt, deep, personal request. God doesn't want to just, I mean, he wants to hear everything. It's not just the superficial stuff. He wants to hear what's really down deep in your heart. He wants you really to pour everything out. And you may say, yeah, but Gabriel, it may sound angry or it may sound upset. He wants you to get it all out. Lay it all out before him. Lay it all out before him. He wants to talk to you. Here's the other thing that I noticed in that story is David didn't seek God alone. He had help from Abiathar the priest. James 5 says this. In verse 13, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing songs of praise. Are you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. One of the reasons we have prayer at the end of every service is not just to do something special at the end of service. We have prayer at the end of service because, A, it's biblical and B, there's, there's precedent, according to David, for if you and I are going through a hard time, we need to get someone else. We need to get an Abiathar to come stand beside us and say, let me help you pray until you find a solution. Let me help you look and see what God wants you to do. Let me stand beside you and pray with you and hold you up and encourage you. That's why we pray at the end of service. It's not about, let me see who all's got sins and see if I can get them to come down to the front. If that was the case, we'd all come down to the front. It's about, it's about finding a place where I'm in distress, I'm in discouragement, I'm in doubt. I, I, there's all D's, right? Um, uh, it, it just kind of flows out of me now. I preach too long. It, it, we, it, we find a place where I'm in trouble, right? I'm in hardship. And I got to go find somebody to pray with me. I got to find somebody that helps me. I got to call on a Biathar 
to come get with me on this one. The third conversation. So, so I got to talk to myself. I got to talk to my God. And then I got to talk to my enemy. I got to talk to my enemy. Now, this is one we don't always jump into in church. Some of, some of you come from a church background where anything about spiritual warfare is a little bit kooky and weird. Until you're in a battle and then you don't care about kooky and weird and you don't care about Baptist and Methodist. You care about getting out of it and you're calling anybody and everybody. Amen. Amen. It's true. If you didn't, amen, you just hadn't been through it yet. We, we used to pat when my dad was, when, when my dad was younger and I was, I was younger. Well, we pastored the church in town that everybody thought was kind of weird. Right. Because we weren't the traditional mainline, you know, uh, we were the ones that were kind of weird. And it was always funny whenever you would see those mainline folks show up on a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night service. And sure enough, what had happened was they had gotten themselves in some trouble. They were going through a hardship and they knew they needed somebody to pray for them. And so they went to the weird people because the weird people know how to pray. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 8 says, And David asked the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord said, Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that is taken from you. Let me tell you something. Jesus used his words. Jesus used his words to attack the enemy. It was Jesus' words in the, in, the, um, in the wilderness when Satan is tempting him. What did Jesus attack Satan with? He didn't pull out a sword. He spoke the word of God. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, this is not what the Bible says. The Bible says man should not eat, uh, live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the breath of God. So Jesus fought Satan. He confronted Satan. He attacked Satan with his words. Whenever Jesus was confronted with the demoniac, what did he do? He spoke over that demoniac and the demons left. When Jesus was confronted with a sickness, yes, there are times when he laid hands on the sick, but very often he just spoke the word. Lazarus was dead in the grave. His sister said, Jesus, he stinks. She said, he stinketh. That's even worse than stinks. What did Jesus do? Jesus spoke a word and Lazarus got up from the dead. Listen, we need to understand something. Jesus set the precedent for us that our words are weapons. Our words are weapons against our own attack. Our words are weapons every time we pray to God. That's a weapon against the enemy. And then every time we speak against the enemy, that's a weapon. The Bible says our words are weapons. Ephesians chapter 6 says this. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. If you go on to read, it talks about the different types of armor that you put on. But later on, it says, pray, pray, pray. Like, you got to pray. Why? Because our words are weapons against the enemy. James 4, 7. I don't know. If I put that one back there or not, James, but James four, seven says this. So humble yourselves before the Lord, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Let me tell you real quick. The word resist there means to stand against. It's a military term that I take action against the enemy. It doesn't say uh, I'm just standing against the devil, like just stand up. It means I'm literally attacking the enemy. How do I do that? I do that with my words. I do that with my words. Now, listen. Just one little note. It does say humble yourself before God first. Right? It doesn't say you go attack the enemy and you do spiritual warfare in your own power. My favorite story in the Bible 
is the seven sons of Sceva. It's a little story about seven dudes that thought they could cast out some demons. And they walked up in a house with a man full of devils. And they said to him, we cast you out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. They didn't know Paul and they didn't know Jesus, but they just heard the words. And they go in and they say that to this demon-possessed man. And it said that one man stood up and beat them all up, took all their clothes off of them, ran them out of the house bloody and naked. That's the funniest story to me in the Bible. They didn't humble themselves first. They thought I can go in here and just say a couple words and and get by. But listen, their words were powerless because they didn't have the authority of the humility of God. We talk to ourselves. You encourage yourself. You get up out of the dirt, right? You talk to God. That's humbling yourself before the Lord. You're laying it all out before him. And God gives you the authority to now speak into the spiritual against the enemy. Revelation chapter 12 says this. Talking about the the Christians in heaven. And it says, and they have conquered him, talking about Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. How did they defeat Satan? They defeated Satan by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They spoke and that speaking is what defeated the enemy. So today we've got to speak the truth of God's word against our enemy. We're going to end with this. So I told you I would backtrack a little bit. I'll backtrack to 1 Samuel chapter 27. Okay, we're going to backtrack to the beginning of the beginning of the story. It says, but, but David kept thinking to himself. Remember I told you Saul's been chasing him. The king has been chasing him. But David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. The best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. Then Saul will stop hunting for me in Israelite territory, and I will finally be safe. In the English Standard Version, it doesn't say David kept thinking to himself. It says David said in his heart. Listen, David is talking to himself, but notice it's a different way of talking to himself. This time when David's talking to himself, the whole thing is about how bad things are. God's not going to rescue me. The only thing I can do is go to the enemy. And listen, there's some of us that do that. There's some of us, we, we call it in, in today's vernacular, we call it self-medication, right? We do that. We say that God's not going to come through. And I'm struggling with this battle, and I just haven't seen any victory. And so, so if I can just go out, if I can just go get drunk, if I can just take these pills and just make it all Or for some of us, we self-medicate by just, if I can just go to church, if I can just go to small group, if I can just go to church. And listen, church isn't a magical place, folks. Small group's not a magical place. I'm going to one tonight, but it's not magic. And we self-medicate. And we, we try to come up with our own plans. David's big plan was, if I can get myself into the into the enemy's camp. And what happens is David begins to live this double life. I'm a Hebrew. I'm a, I'm a Jew. I'm an Israelite. I'm supposed to be fearing God. I'm supposed to be serving God. But instead, I'm living with the enemy. And we've got one foot in and you got one foot out. And you're trying to serve God a little bit. You're trying to come to church. But whenever you go home, you live a defeated lifestyle, right? You, you're, you're, you're trying to have faith. But, but whenever you walk out those doors, you're, you're full of doubt. Whenever we try to trust, but then we try to solve everything ourselves. We, we live this double lifestyle. 
In James chapter 1, the Bible says this in verse 6. It says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So three things we need to remember. We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We need to remind your soul. Remind your soul of who God is, what he's done, and who he's called you to be. We need to talk to the Lord. We need to get some help for prayer and and allow God to speak to us. And we're going to do that in just a second. And then we need to overcome the enemy, taking every thought captive. Why don't you stand up with me today? I've shared this story before, but when my dad was a kid, he had a Sunday school teacher. And that Sunday school teacher was a smoker and had had gotten past smoking and, and felt like it was wrong for him to do. And, and so he, he had gotten over smoking. So they were talking in class in Sunday school about how did you get over smoking? Like how did you get victory over cigarettes? And the, and, the, and the old man told him, he said, every time I would see a cigarette butt on the ground, I would stomp on it. And I would say, you're not my God. You're not my God. And it it always has stuck with me in the back of my brain about spiritual battles that we go through. That sometimes we have to talk to ourselves. I have to remind myself who God is. I have to remind myself of everything he's brought us from. I I was looking back. uh, Someone asked me the other day, we were talking about church. and, And they were asking me about, you know, how... The difference between between uh, leading in plenty versus leading in 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 want. And there was a time when our church didn't have any money. We didn't have any people. We didn't have it. We didn't have our own building. We didn't have anything. I don't know how we made it, except for God. And, and it was neat to be able to go back. We just had our our yearly audit where the where a guy comes in and audits all of our books and looks through all of our stuff and. And just looking back, it, it gives me the opportunity to look back at the past. And I think, man, God, you have brought us from so far, from so far. So whenever I start feeling a little bit um, discouraged when I think, man, we're running out of room in the kids, which is a good problem. I don't know why I'd be discouraged by that. And I'm like, God, we got to build a building, but this is the bad time to build a building because all the prices are up and interest rates are up and all the things are bad and economy's going down. And all I got to do is look back. And remind myself, but God has blessed us every step of the way. God has blessed us. So I encourage myself by reminding myself of who God is. And then we got to pray. We got to go to God. And and listen, that's why we surround ourselves with people that love us and care for us and want to pray for us. As a matter of fact, on that point, if you're part of our prayer team today, Pop, you got some folks. We're going to have our prayer team come down to the front today because we want to pray with you this morning about whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through. But then the last thing, just a reminder is we talk to the enemy. That old man talked to the enemy. His enemy was a cigarette butt, but his his enemy wasn't cigarettes, right? Like you get it. The enemy was addiction. The enemy was something that he couldn't let go of. The enemy was something that had a hold of his heart and had a hold of his mind and had a hold of his soul. And so every time he walked past that enemy, he reminded the devil, you're not my God. I'm not going to be addicted to you. 
And I don't know who needs that this morning, but there's some of you that are going through an attack right now on your mind, on your heart. And you need to remind the devil that you, you are not called to live in depression. You are not called to live in discouragement. God has called you to be more than a conqueror, to be an overcomer. So I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to let you come down and get prayer. And Pastor Jonathan and the team, they're going to sing a song. And, and if you're not coming down for prayer today, here's what I encourage you to do. Let's just start, let's, let's build some culture right now. Two things I want you to do. Number one, if you're not coming down for prayer, I want you to worship God. I want you to worship God. I want you just to build up. Perry and I call it a love tank, right? It's a love tank. My love tank is full. Why? Because she continually fills my love tank with words of affirmation or or gifts and surprises or whatever the five love languages are, right? Whatever those things are. She fills my love tank. And, and, And listen, we need to fill up our love tank with the Holy Spirit by worshiping God. Just worship Him. So that's the first thing I want you to do. Second thing is, if you see someone come down for prayer and they're your buddy, even if they're not your buddy, I want you, if God moves on your heart, slip out of your seat, come down. All you got to do is this right here. Just pray with them. Listen, there's nothing magical about it, but here's what happens. It lets them know that they're not standing alone. When their city is burned down and their family's been kidnapped and everybody wants to stone them and they don't know what else to do, they need an Abiathar to come stand next to them and say, listen, you're not in this by yourself. You're not in this by yourself. I may not know you that well, but I'm here and I'm praying for you. So why don't you close your eyes for a second. Let me pray over the group and then I'm going to let you come get prayer. So God, right now, I just lift up everybody in this room and God, we're struggling today. Some of us are dealing with some things. We're going through some stuff. And so God, today we need you to speak into our hearts, into our lives. We need healing in our souls, in our mind, will, and emotions. God, some of us today, we need to get up out of the dirt. We need to get up out of the ashes. For some of us, we need to seek prayer. For some of us, God, we just need that authority to speak into the spiritual. And God, if there's anybody in the room today that hasn't humbled themselves before you, if they're not serving you, if they're living a life of sin, if they're living a life away from Christ, then I just pray that during this moment that they would come find you. They would come find you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I want you to slip out of your seat. Come down to the front. Let us pray with you. Go ahead, Pastor Jonathan.